Welcome to the Three Forms Podcast, a joint production of Beaver Dam Christian Reformed Church and Coopersville CRC. Together we are touring our historic Three Forms of Unity, the Belgic Confession, Heidelberg Catechism, and the Canons of Dort. Considering how these old and trusted paths can equip and lead God's people in the midst of today's challenges. So let's start this week's episode. Hey, welcome back to the podcast. We are on episode four. My name is Pastor Lloyd Hemstreet. And I am Reverend Tyler Wagonmaker. And uh, we are continuing the misery. That theme of misery goes on oh. and on in this uh, uh, podcast, uh, at least as long as the catechism does. <laughs> but, but there's a lot of misery. But I, I can say one of the things that are not miserable is the food that I generally eat. While I was on vacation, I had some delicious food, Lloyd. And it was not miserable. I didn't have any indigestion, no upset stomachs, and I tried all sorts of uh, all sorts of unique foods. One of the things I'm thankful for is food, and I'm thankful that for me at least, it is not a misery. Okay, very good. I thought I'd share I, that. Thinking of what I've been eating recently, my daughter had uh, her tenth birthday, and so we had a big tenth birthday party, and there were like leftover hot dogs. So I like had hot dogs for three or four lunches in a row. So oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> that, that may be more towards the misery. That, but that, that, if you put different oh, toppings on it, kind of like maybe Chicago style or so. Yeah, that that could try and cover over, but they were still uh, they were still hot dogs. That, yeah, it does. Well, so that, that's true. all right. Misery. So episode four, we are on Lord's Day four. We're starting off with question nine, so let's go ahead and dive in. Uh, But doesn't God do man an injustice by requiring in his law what man is unable to do? You know, I never hear this from my kids. Is that fair? That isn't fair. I mean, those are words that parents never, ever hear. Uh, I'm guessing growing up, you never heard those words in your household, Tyler, or uttered those words. Well, one of my one of the wonderful things my father would say uh, is something along the lines of uh, "I'm not fair." Oh, so that ends that question right there. It does. So (laughs) there it is. So if you're trying to base things based on fairness, at least in the wagon maker household, it got no traction. That that wasn't going anywhere. It was not going anywhere, no. Well, is that how God relates then? Is God not fair? That is the question that it is asking in question nine here. And the answer is that the Heidelberg gives us, no, God created man with the ability to keep the law. Man, however, tempted by the devil in reckless disobedience, robbed himself and his descendants of these gifts. Reckless. That is a word that is a really good word there. (laughs) Because you see, we see the ruination that has happened. You're like, reckless, reckless, reckless. Exactly. Reckless disobedience. I mean, God made it as clear as possible, as clear as needed. There was no question. Um, The language they used was, you will die. And uh, that should be a wake-up call. And yet, uh, you know, there's uh, lots of things in the world that, oh, there's a risk of death. Yeah, people can be pretty reckless still. If I would have been in Adam and Eve's situation, I wouldn't have eat of the forbidden fruit, though, Lloyd. I'm sure of it. I don't know what they were doing, so reckless. But 
I would not have done that. Right, right. Uh, last episode, I believe we talked about the hundreds of years of Israel's history and how universal failure humanity is in keeping. But they God's were all born advanced. into sin. You know, if I had not been born into sin with that sin nature, I would have done things differently. I'm sure of it, Lloyd. Well, that is the reality too. Uh, God was not unfair towards Adam and Eve because they were not born with a good with a sin nature. They were, were not born fallen. They had a holy, they were born or created good. Yes. And yes. so it was optimal situation uh, around them. Optimal situation. There was no deprivation. They had perfect fellowship with God. They had a wonderful relationship as husband and wife. It was a beautiful world around them. And I, and I mentioned and that. not hot kind of, dogs for multiple days at a time either. That's <laughs> true. That's true. Um, uh, and but, but I mentioned that because sometimes I hear people say, well, you know, if I had been in that situation, that, that gets to the issue of pride sometimes. We think, well, I would have done things differently. Well, oh, really? Uh, th- they were optimal, uh, optimal man and woman. And yet somehow you think that you would have been a better optimal uh, situation. Um Again, God created, as as it said, God created mankind with the ability to keep the law. We could have, um, Adam and Eve could have been sinless. And they were. They were for a time. For it a time, It just yes. didn't last as it long as last. Like you said la- in our last podcast, we, we got through two chapters. <laughs> exactly. Uh, and then, <laughs> and chapter that's three. about the end of that. Yep, and that's where it went. Yep, yep, uh, that's yep. where the wheels fell off. Uh, there was the temptation that came from the devil. He was involved in this, we know from Scripture in Genesis 3. Um, but what took place, what happened in this sin and this plunge into misery, is now humanity is not starting with that level uh, good nature right. that uh, is then corrupted. We're now starting with a bad nature, just like we talked about last time, corrupt from our very conception on. And so as we're trying to keep God's law now— we are uh, behind the eight ball, as they say. It, it's an uphill battle because we're already starting. We're in bondage. We're in bondage. We're, it's bondage of the will. Um, you know, I already have a predilection to to like certain things, and the things I like are sinful. That's kind of my. I like how sometimes it's been described where if if given the choice between apple pie and lemon meringue pie. And I don't like lemon meringue pie, and I really like apple pie. Which of the two pies do you think I'm going to choose? You should choose the apple. I And I will choose the apple because I don't like the lemon meringue. But in theory, I could have chosen the lemon meringue. But I'm going to always choose what my heart desires, what I love. What is my heart desire now because of the problem well, of we, sin? Well, we know if your heart is corrupt, very corrupt, Tyler, is what your heart it, it, is. It, it is. So, <laughs> that's right. Uh, apart from Jesus Christ, yeah, apart, it, it is. Yeah. So And the new birth. And so I will keep choosing the the the, the thing that I love, the path of 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 delights, which are sins, sadly. Right. Um, and so that's now where this wanting to keep the law, I have no desire to want to please God. I don't love and delight in pleasing God. I love and delight in pleasing myself and uh, fulfilling my own nature. Absolutely, absolutely. And so we see that. And so, as it says in the Catechism, uh, they rob not only themselves, but his descendants— of these gifts. That means you and me. That, right? we, that are we, we are descendants. Yeah, the sons we, of we Adam are, and the daughters of Eve, we as are, we yes. hear in Narnia. That is who we are. 
And, uh, you know, the book of Romans, chapter 5, it talks about this, this reality of, of death that entered the world through the sin of our first parents, that, you know, sin came into the world through one man, death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sinned. This is what Scripture says, and that is what the Catechism wants to highlight for us. No, God doesn't do us a disservice by asking us, by uh, expecting us to com- com- to uh, go ahead and, and fulfill his law and keep his commandments. He's not doing anything that's unfair towards us. We already went and, and, and chopped off our own legs, and now we can't run the race that he called and created and designed us to live through the sin and misery of the hu- human race. But you're presuming there was an actual Adam who actually fell, who actually we are descendant of. We all know that uh, there was no such thing, Lloyd. We are all just products of random evolutionary um, uh, compilation of, of chemicals. And so um, here we are. Well, uh, there's the noetic effect of sin that uh, affects our knowledge and our reasoning. <laughs> and uh, there's also the way that Scripture speaks. And uh, yeah, Paul seems to think there was an Adam and that his uh, uh, sin fell upon He is all. so limited by his uh, primitive worldview of things. Everyone knows that, right, Lloyd. Right, um, yeah. uh, we're much more enlightened today. A- absolutely. And Jesus so limited by his primitive worldview view as the creator of the heavens and the world and the beginning and the end, uh, the Alpha and the Omega. Uh, Uh, Bringing us back to Scripture again, aren't you, Lloyd? That that is, that is, that's just, that's how I roll. All right. That's good. (laughs) Well, we'll go ahead and roll on to question 10. Will God permit such disobedience and rebellion to go unpunished? Is God the kind of father that's just going to turn a blind eye towards the disobedience of his children and say, well, they'll sort it out and, and I'm not going to get involved? And the answer that it gives in question 10 is, certainly not. He is terribly angry about the sin we were born with as well as the sins we personally commit. As a just judge, he punishes them now and in eternity. He has declared... Cursed be everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law and do them. All right. Strong language, Lloyd. Strong language. It, it, it is. And, and, and we, it's backed up by Scripture. Um, again, we talked about Genesis. You didn't have to get far into Genesis. Genesis 1, Genesis 2, creation. Now Genesis 3, the fall. Genesis 4, mentioned that last podcast. We have uh, brother killing brother. Um, this fratricide, then, and then just a little bit further, we get to Genesis chapter six, the flood. Um, we, we have, you, you want to know how an example of God being terribly angry about sin, just, just go to Genesis six and seven and eight. And the, now we're going to see God being terribly angry with sin. Right. And I've often heard it described, you know, we put in our children's nursery the the ark and the animals on the ark. Well, there's a lot of beauty in that. That ark points towards Christ they're and the smiling. salvation. They're all, they're all they're smiling, all smiling. of those animals. But it is awful. A, it is also a dreadful story of God's just judgment upon sin that we see in Genesis 6 and following in this terrible flood that takes place there. Uh, you know, when I hurt myself or I bruise my, myself, you know, God's created my body in such a way that it will, will be able to heal and, and restore uh, what's been damaged. 
But that's not what we see with the damage of sin in mm. the world. Uh, you know, Good it example. wasn't just uh, that, you know, well, Cain and Abel kind of had some problems, but humanity got better over time. Uh, you know, well, in the future, utopia is coming. No, it just continued to go downhill until God said, we're wiping this one out and we're going to have to start over and only only uh, Noah and his family are going to survive. So Genesis chapter 6, verse starting with verse 5. It says, the Lord saw how great man's wickedness on the earth had become and that every inclination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil all the time. The Lord was grieved that he had made man on the earth and his heart was filled with pain. So the Lord said, I will wipe mankind whom I have created from the face of the earth, men and animals and creatures that move along the ground and birds of the air, for I am grieved that I had made them. Wow. Yeah, that sounds like uh, terribly angry uh, about the sins we are not only born with, but that we personally commit as well. Oh, everyone knows that that's the God of the Old Testament. The God of the New Testament is not terribly angry with sin, though. Um, The God of the New Testament is very loving and warm and cuddly, like a wonderful teddy bear, or like an electric blanket that you turn on in the winter months here in Michigan. In have, you, they want. have you read the words of Jesus in the book of Revelation before, Tyler? <laughs> um, well, that's not so warm and cuddly. <laughs> not, not, not so much. You're, you're right, Lloyd. So, um, no, we there is a consistent God. message in the New Testament as there is in the Old Testament that God is terribly angry with sin, a la Jesus Christ himself. Um, if God is not terribly angry with sin, then how do you explain Jesus' incarnation right. and uh, going to the cross? Right. And, uh, yeah, so, the second part of it, as just judge, he punishes them now and in eternity. The sins of humanity are punished now, and it's sin against an eternal God. That is what we have violated, That's that's, and so it is fitting that the punishment of those sins would be eternal as well, because that has been the the magnitude of the offense that all of our sins are. We've offended, we've sinned against the the eternal majesty of God in, in so many ways. Everything that we do is uh, is tainted with that. And so you're right. So we need a an amazing solution right. um, uh, and, to that. And we need a judge that's going to be just and give us the punishment that, uh, you know, that our sins have deserved. And boy, you know, when I'm standing in a, in a courtroom, I, I'm not hoping for uh, usually, boy, do I want a just sentence for what my crimes deserve? Or, hey, won't he let me off? Won't the judge let me off easy? Won't she look the other way and, you know, let this slide? That's kind of what we look for in a, in a judge at times. But at the same time, we see the damage that that sort of behavior does in the world, too, where people get a slap on the wrist, they don't really learn from it, and then they go and c- commit worse crimes in, in, in just in our society. There's God's com- a just judge. He is. And there's a complaint, of course, against God, kind of this almost maybe theological libertarianism uh, where uh, I, I'm going to mind my own household, God. You mind your own household up in heaven. You can have heaven how you can live your life how you want to up in heaven. You can keep your house how you want to. I can keep my house how I want to here on earth. You kind of stay in your zone, God. I'll stay in my zone. That's how people a lot of times approach life. It's this theological libertarianism where um, I'll mind my business, God, you mind your business. 
and uh, not thinking, of course, that the world is God's business, that actually God owns the world. That's where right. we go back to creation. Uh, oops, um, there. You well, know? because we become, and again, in our culture day, this is the problem. We've we've excised God from any sort of talk and conversation about God as the creator, for instance. One of the masterful strokes of the of the evil one, in many ways, is to get Western culture to completely repudiate this idea of creation, that God created the heavens and the earth, and instead it all just came about through natural circumstance and chance and, and nonsense like that. And so if there's no God who created anything, God doesn't own this. Right. God doesn't own this world. God doesn't own me. Psalm 50 speaks a little differently that he owns cattle on a thousand hills, and everything in this world is his. And so how we what we do with his world is his business. He, so he has a right to be terribly angry he does. Uh, about this because this is his. He owns it. He made the molecules. He made the uh, you know the ecosystems. He made the birds. He made the the blades of grass. He made me. He made my lungs. He made my thoughts, my synapses. Uh, he made every aspect of it, and we behave as if as if God doesn't own this. Um, that God doesn't have a right to be terribly angry, that we mess things up, that we're wrecking his world, that we're wrecking ourselves, um, we who are the crown of his creation, as if God has to kind of stay up in heaven and mind his own business right, and not right. be terribly angry about this sin. And and looking once again at the example of uh, children playing with, you know, when a child is uh, playing with its sibling's toy, something they made and they smash it, or their sibling made and they smash it, or they do something else with it that the sibling's upset about, that sibling uh, objects to that. This isn't just, this isn't fair, this belongs to me. God has every right to object. I made and gave all things life. I created all things for my honor and my glory, and you're going to do what with it? Exactly. <laughs> but what but we we live in this uh, almost a a an agno- so many people live in this agnostic sort of world almost an atheistic world where they pay no attention to god uh, as if god doesn't even exist god doesn't have the right to any of this you got to the issue of justice lloyd um and then talked a little bit about mercy on there, I know the catechism next talks about we're, that. We're going there in just that, a second. That almost that conflict. It seems like some want to draw a conflict between mercy and justice. Right, right. I mean, uh, the last part of question 10, he has declared, cursed be everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law and do mm-hmm. them. And uh, we see this curse and uh, this judgment both in this life as well as eternally played out in Scripture several mm-hmm. times. Uh you know, I was thinking of Deuteronomy chapter 7, and as uh, Moses is getting ready and preparing the Israelites to go ahead and go into the promised land there, one of the things that he tells the people of God is they're to go in there and take possession of the land, and as they take possession of it, they're to clear away many nations before them, uh, the Hittites, Girgashites, Amorites, Canaanites, and so forth. They're called to be wiped out. Well, if they just asked them to move, I'm sure they would have just freely moved and made way for the Israelites. Yeah, yeah, that 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 would be how you <laughs> want to do it. I, I'm I'm sure over in Ukraine they just have to ask Putin to move. And that's, that's right. How... <laughs> that's all Russia had to do was say, "Excuse me, this is ours. Please move right. and uh, let us in." Right. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Well. That's usually how how world uh, or national conflicts are worked out. But but anyway. But wow, these nations are going to be wiped out. I mean, is God still just? 
Well, we go all the way back to Genesis 15, and God comes to Abraham and says, this is the land I'm going to go ahead and give you, but the sin of the Amorites isn't yet complete. Once their sin's complete, judgment is coming. God is just, and he is going to punish the sins that we commit, and, and he is not pleased with those who do not keep his law and his commands. And it does put us in harm's way, very much so. And, and, and I'm glad you mentioned early on that this, this punishment of sin is not just in this life. It is in the life to come. It is in eternity. That's, that puts the, 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 hopefully the energy in the church, the life of the church, to proclaim the gospel, because we're dealing with people's eternities here. We're dealing with people who will be under, remain under the, the, the judgment of God forever and ever, unless they repent, unless they uh, confess their sins are found in Jesus Christ by right. this Unless they're born faith. again. Unless they're born again. If, if not, they will receive the, be on the receiving end of this, of this judgment forever and ever. And I know that there are, there are segments in the quote-unquote Christian faith, they identify themselves as Christian, they repudiate any sort of idea of hell and of God needing to have this justice kind of extend into eternity itself. And yet I also think these individuals, in this world, they want nothing to do with God. Many of them, they repudiate God. Uh, you kind of, again, have kind of that Stephen Fry, who I've mentioned before, who is kind of this atheistic God, is a capricious God, I don't want anything to do with this God, that sort of approach. They don't want anything to do with God. They don't really like him. They have this natural tendency to hate God and their neighbor when it really push comes to shove on that. And so why they're going to continue in that into eternity itself. Suddenly, once they die, and under the judgment of God, they're not going to be like, oh, I love you now, God, and, and their hearts are suddenly changed. They're still going to hate God into eternity itself. They're still going to curse God under their breath, um, even though they're going to acknowledge that he is king and lord of all, but they hate that. They right. don't want that. And so the poison so is there. It's, the poison is going to remain in their lives forever and ever. And so forever and ever, they are still going to remain under the curse and the judgment of God because the sin, the, the hatred, the rebellion against God will be there forever and ever. It's not going to resolve itself. There, the, today is the day of salvation. That's why the church has to, with enthusiasm, and, and not waste our time doing doing the work of of other sort of agencies other sort of of specialties the church needs to be about the work of the church which first and foremost is the proclamation of the gospel of you're under God's judgment right but there is salvation through Jesus Christ now it's going to make a difference in your life that's why we have a lot of other professions and vocations mm -hmm. out there but the pulpits of the of the church need to first and foremost be there's a problem of sin, just like the catechism lays out. There is salvation, right. and now, okay, now the service is the implication of that. But we need to talk about the sin. Yeah. Um, uh, and then we need to talk about very clearly about the salvation. Because if we don't, the the problem of of this God's terribly angry, this judgment isn't doesn't end when someone dies. He's gonna be terribly angry at it into eternity against that individual. Right. And so to be under the 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 it's sinners in the hands of the of an angry God, kind of a Jonathan Edwards mm -hmm. um sort of thing. 
we need to come to grips with that. The church needs to come alive again with the the energy of proclaiming the truth of that because no one else in the world is proclaiming that. Social right. scientists aren't proclaiming that. Right. Our politicians aren't proclaiming that unless they're Christians right. and they mention that. Right. Our, our sports heroes aren't proclaiming that, again, unless they're Christians and they're making it part of their message. Right, right, right. But we are the ones that are uniquely called to be ambassadors for yes. Christ coming with this good news. All right, Lord's Day 4 ends up with question 11. Uh, as we've focused and dwelled or, or, or drilled down on this reality of the justice and judgment of God, question 11 says, but isn't God also merciful? And the answer is, God is certainly merciful, but he is also just. His justice demands that sin committed against his supreme majesty be punished with the supreme penalty, eternal punishment of body and soul, and that's where we get into the to the thing we were just talking about the problem of of hell, right? And the punishment that exists there, right? The reality of, of hell and scripture is clear on this that this is the judgment that is coming for those who are not in Christ. Is God merciful? Absolutely. Scripture tells and declares His mercy over and over again, but He is also just, and those two things are not in conflict. No. It's in our minds that we struggle to fully grasp, but we struggle to fully grasp the minds and thoughts of God in every way. He is so much greater and 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 so far beyond us that our minds struggle to put these things together. But God's word speaks clearly both to his justice as well as his mercy. They are not in conflict with one another. We see the waters I know we mentioned I mentioned before about the 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 flood and God's being terribly angry about the sin and how he was cleansing the world of that. Um, waters do that. Um, but God also provided, of course, we know, that that safety, his, his ark, his, his protecting hand um, for believing Noah and his family and the representatives of all the, the animal life here in this world put into, you know, to begin again, a, a new start on there. And, I, and I'm reminded again of that. And I know the next Lord's Day 5 of the Catechism will we'll get into that, and I'm looking forward to the next podcast where we get to start to talk about some of the deliverance. <clears throat> but even, even there, when we see the waters of, of the flood, which is destroying things and cleansing things, um, waters are dangerous, and, and we need God to keep us safe in the midst of those waters. And I'm brought to the waters <clears throat> excuse me, Lord, of our baptisms, you know, our this there we have a rich heritage as Reformed Christians, and the Heidelberg Catechism will talk about baptism later on. Yeah, we'll, we'll get, there. get to that. Um, uh, the sacrament of baptism, but the sacrament of baptism in many ways points us to the reality that God is terribly angry. Um, I, I think about those waters. You know, just had a, an infant baptism here in Beaver Dam recently again, and those waters of baptism pour down this this little baby, and. And those waters, in one sense, they testify to God being terribly angry at sin. It really almost is pointing us back to the waters of the flood. God needs to, to wipe it away, cleanse it away, just get rid of it, because it's so offensive to them, it's so odious to him. And, um, and yet God also is the only one who can provide a way, a safety out of it. So the waters of baptism remind us on how God is terribly angry, but but also the waters of baptism remind us that God has provided in Jesus Christ that, that kind of ark, that safety, that security, that only when we're found in him, baptized in the name of God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, only when we have the name of God upon us and by faith we're found in him, do we, do we, do we escape that 
that right. terribly angry. That's where the catechism's going to. Right. We'll this is the only way that. that we're going to get the cleansing that we stand in need of. Exactly. And yet, God is just, and we're going to see uh, in the second area through a second section of how salvation maintains both God's justice as well as sending his mercy and grace towards us. I'm, I'm brought so. to, when I think about, uh, this is going to a little bit of a world religion sign of, kind of tangent, just quick here, Lloyd, uh, because I think about Islam, and, and one of the phrases that's found throughout the Quran, every chapter but one chapter, when it, again, describes God, uh, the God of Islam, Allah, has a, this very distinct title. It's, in the name of Allah, the most gracious, the most merciful. It talks about God being most merciful. And uh, and here, you know, the catechism talks about, it. isn't God also merciful? He's certainly merciful, but he's also just. And I think you you need to have a, 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 a complete understanding of justice before you can really appreciate mercy. That's one of the areas, I think, in many ways that Islam falls short, um, that they really don't understand justice because the mercy, you, you think, what, what has Allah done with the sin? Um, in, in Islam, the sin isn't dealt with. No, in in the Christian faith, the sin is dealt with at the cross of Jesus Christ for those who are found in Him. Otherwise, you you get eternal punishment. God just can't willy nilly just okay. I'm just going to overlook the the sin and as if nothing has happened. That wouldn't be a just judge. That would not that. be a just judge. So you know, I love GI Joes. I collect GI Joes. Someone let's say breaks into breaks into my house, steals my GI Joe collection. They apprehend them as they ought to. You know, I. All my G.I. Joe's has spent years and years collecting. eBay, just looking around. Lloyd, this is an amazing collection, G.I. Joe collection. Love G.I. Joe's on that, um, uh, uh, yo, Joe. Anyway, so someone goes and steals it, and uh, they're apprehended. They, they've wrecked it. they sold it. They've, they've done with it. We're in court, and the, the judge is like, you know what? I, I see they've done that. They've destroyed your G.I. Joe collection, but, you know, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to give you any sentence. I, I, we're going to have mercy on you. Now, I, I'm left... Okay, well, that's that sounds good, but what about the sin that has been done against me? Do I get my G.I. Joe collection? Does he have to pay any restitution? Nope, he's just set free. Where's the justice in that? So you can use the word mercy, but that's really not mercy. Mercy is an empty thing if true justice doesn't happen. You need true justice in order for there to be uh, a, a really an appreciation of mercy um, on there. We don't appreciate the cross of Jesus Christ if we also don't understand the justice of God in the midst and how terribly angry he is with sin and how it had to be poured out on his only begotten son, Jesus Christ, and so it wasn't poured out on me. My sin was dealt with with true justice, but I I I need to understand that and and come to a greater, deeper kind of fellowship with God and appreciation of walking with Him that it's been dealt with in that way. Thanks be to God, He truly was merciful to me. Absolutely, absolutely, and so that is why uh, understanding how great our sin and misery is uh, is part of understanding how God's judgment just and fitting judgment rests upon our sin and misery. That is what we have for Lord's Day 4. Oh, I still have so much more to talk about, Lloyd, but we'll maybe get to it next Lord's Day. Well, I think there's a Lord's Day 5 coming, so I'm guessing Ugh. there'll be an episode 5 following next week. Thanks for joining us on the Three Forms Podcast, a joint ministry of Beaverdam Christian Reformed Church and Coopersville CRC. To contact us, feel free to reach out through our Facebook page, Substack, on YouTube, or email us directly at threeformspodcast at gmail.com. Three Forms Podcast, 
walking the good and trusted old paths together. Thank you.